I've been on mute for like eight minutes. I thought I was again speaking no. as part of the conversation. Oh my god! I'm like, why, oh. the, why are these guys not listening why to my thoughts on Blade Runner? Well, fuck! I'll just take my happened. Blade Runner thoughts over here. Like it just fucking Julian's happened. here, and they all ignore me. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal, based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I am Philip Kelly. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. Um, I am joined by my, uh, I, I guess, by my table of food lovers here. I don't know, guys. Uh, it feels like we sit around a table every every week or at least twice a week to you know, discuss, and maybe we should start doing that, having little appetizers that we do, like eat while we do that. I know Kelly Sue is munching on a little bit uh, of food there. Uh, I've been <laughs> snacking on chocolate covered raisins. How, uh, Kelly Sue, hi, how are you since we're starting with you? Hi, I'm really well. Good, good, that's, that's good, that's great. Really well is good. Uh, we've also got Claire Thorne here, hi Claire. Hello, I'm, I'm drinking a coffee if that counts. That does count, Pfizer, so. that, I mean, hey, that counts. I'm a coffee shop, talk is good. Uh, Lisa K. Weber, hello. How's it going? Hello. I am also drinking coffee with Claire. Coffee's yeah. the thing. Coffee's the thing. Justin <laughs> Peniston, hello, sir. Hey, hello. I uh, I housed a breakfast burrito before joining you guys here today. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Housed I hope it's living. I hope it's living yes, comfortably I in that house. It. I took it to the house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love. That. I love introducing you guys to like mid 90s black vernacular <laughs> <laughs> yeah. love yes. did he say thicker than a sticker you know? <laughs> <laughs> well we've got uh we've got a, a guest here again we had him this last episode we've had him in the past uh julian mark walker hello julian how are you delighted to be here hi have you housed anything today <laughs> <laughs> not yet but i not think yet. i might do so later after okay. i book on out of here sounds good uh <laughs> julian is of course uh the co-host of the conspirituality podcast which examines the intersection of far right wing conspiracy theories spiritual cults and wellness culture which minus the wellness culture sounds like my family unfortunately um <laughs> oh, <no. yeah. laughs> uh, he, they've actually gotten healthier over the years which is good um he, uh, he, shout out to phil's family if you're listening i love them yeah, very much love i love them very much um you know, he, they might be eating spirulina and matcha tea balls you never yeah know, they might you be know. you never know <laughs> wellness. Uh, i hope not for their sake <laughs> <laughs> and of course we welcome julian's uh insights into the psychological and philosophical lens that he will bring to this conversation today um before we dive into discussion claire and kelly sue will take us through a quick recap of primavera so remember how hannibal gutted will physically and emotionally right in front of abigail before also slicing her throat and killing her for a second time well, if you don't, you get to see it again. The teacup shattered big time at the end of season two, and now we get to see it come back together again as Will in a hospital bed. He's visited by Abigail, who explains they survived because Hannibal knew just how to cut them, deep enough to hurt, but surgical enough that they'd live. What a minch. Will falls asleep again and this time wakes up in Hannibal's office. He's just as shocked as we are to be back in the red striped curtain hellscape. He steps out of his bed and is suddenly fully clothed and back in the moments of burning Hannibal's notes. He has a memory and we get a flashback 
of Hannibal discussing his love for the Norman Chapel in Palermo. Memory Will looks back at Dreaming Will and is like, dude is in Palermo, fam. Cut to eight months later, Will steps inside the chapel alongside Abigail, where they chat about God and how life is more science fiction than the Bible. And wouldn't you know it, days later, a man's body folded into the shape of a human heart shows up right where Will stands. Romantic. Here, Will meets Rinaldo Pazzi, a very Leon the professional looking detective on the scene investigating Demon's murder. He reveals that he has read up on Will's notes regarding the Chesapeake Ripper killings and also Will's arrest as the Chesapeake Ripper. Will reminds him he was acquitted before Potsy mentions how interesting it is that Will shows up and boom, there's a very trippy murder. Before Will can give a now look here, mister kind of speech, Potsy says he's already following Lecter when he recognized him as a serial killer known as Il Mostro, responsible for the murder of a man and woman in the style of Botticelli's Primavera. Will willifies the heart and wonders aloud, <clears throat> as if he even has to, about the meaning of it right before it begins beating and writhing. Will watches as, from the faux valves of the heart, hooved feet stretch. It morphs into a half-heart, half-stag demon dog of hell. Will awakens to the sound of Abigail's voice, thankfully. As they speak about Hannibal's broken heart and how he misses them, Abigail's neck begins to bleed. She didn't survive after all, and Will realizes he's been speaking to a hallucination. This guy just cannot get a break. Add to that, Hannibal has been listening to him, aloft, in a hiding place, wearing the leather jacket of pain. We end the episode with Potsy and Will chasing Hannibal through the catacombs beneath the church because, obviously, Will tells Potsy to buzz off before he can count himself among the dead, and Will and Hannibal continue the sexiest jaunt through a tomb ever recorded on film. Just before you pass out from the Phantom of the Opera of it all, Will whispers to Hannibal that he forgives him. Heart swell. The last thing we see is Hannibal's chiseled cheekbone turning toward Will before vanishing into the night. Bellissimo. I just have to say, Kesu, with that, you captured my feelings entirely of when the camera pans across all the saints on the wall and we find Halo with a uh, uh, Hannibal with a halo of sadness around his head, like uh, he's the ultimate <laughs> martyr. It made me laugh oh, yeah. out loud. I was like, oh, Hannibal. <laughs> Oh, you, you sad, sad martyr Saint Hannibal. Oh, poor baby. There you go. I, I laughed uh, quite a bit at that image. Um, uh, more, more of how he sees himself than I think of how he, which is amazing. Um, so last episode, we got the, uh, the Hannibal episode. Uh, this episode, we get the Will Graham episode, the very whispery episode. Because oh my as, God. It's like all done in whispers, uh, all done Soto, uh, you know, um, which makes sense because, you know, this is all about Will's traumatized psyche. Um, it, it, you know, obviously it continues the theme as we talked about a lot in the last episode of reflecting on the past and especially after coming out of a very traumatizing relationship. Um, you know, you remember kind of the broken pieces of it and you try to make sense of it, um, especially when the other person is filled up so much of who you are. And I think Hannibal as a person fills up about 90% of who another person is as opposed to maybe the the 50% uh, that we look for in another relationship, you know, with someone else. Um, Will, I don't, I, watching this, I'm not sure if Will even knows exactly why he's hunting down Hannibal, except that he 
is, uh, and I'm curious as to why all of you, uh, obviously you, you've all seen more than I have, but I'm curious at this point in the series, why you think uh, Will is back, why he is continuing to seek out Hannibal, um, because it's a very, uh, unlike Bedelia, who kind of just wanders into it and finds herself back into that, he's making a very concerted effort to go to another country entirely uh, to find out, you know, someone who has broken him, uh, Kelly Sue. It looks like you have something so, to say. I do. Yeah. Thank you. Um, this entire season to me feels like the last half hour of the rom-com where we've had the buildup where they meet each other and there's the will they, won't they, and then they have their breakup, right? And then in the last like 30 minutes or so, we actually see the real love story unfold. Mm -hmm. That is what season three feels like to me. I think that Will is, <clears throat> Will is left with as many difficult and confusing feelings as Hannibal. I mean, we've spoke a lot at the end of season two about Will really, genuinely measuring why am I doing this do I want to be with him am I going to try to save him from what I know is going to go down because there's warrants out for our arrest and Jack is there specifically to get this confession and now you know he's similarly to what we were just sort of talking about in the last episode about Bedelia he's free of Hannibal if he wants to be you know Hannibal's in the wind. I'm in this cozy hospital bed, but he isn't free of Hannibal because they're soulmates. And he has to go find his other half. And we see that conflict for Will all the time. He doesn't want it to be true, but it is. Mm. Those are my thoughts. And I think it's very significant in this episode that we don't see Will having conversations with anybody other than Abigail and mm -hmm. Potsy. I, po I keep saying Potsy, like the character from, wasn't it Potsy in Happy, Happy Days, Days or whatever? Days. Uh -huh. crazy too. I'm Days, sorry, yeah. someone help me because I just can't get it to come out of my mouth the right way. <laughs> I, I'm not sure you're wrong. No, oh, you're not okay, wrong. Good. That is how it's no. pronounced. Yeah, I, I yeah. just think, I think, I think there's, just, yeah, yeah. Hearing it with an oh. Italian accent, does it make it sound like you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. Good. He hangs I'm... out with Ralph Mouth. You know. I want to say this though to your point, Claire, about how Will is only speaking to Abigail. I'm sure everybody else caught how the only person other than Will to see Abigail is the priest. Yeah. Mm. Oh right. Yeah. Noted. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's, uh... it's so good. Yeah. Well, apparently I mean, you... in the commentary, Brian Fuller says, I put that there because I want you to wonder, is it a hallucination or is it a ghost? Mm -hmm. And who right. might connect to a ghost but a priest? You know, like yeah, exactly. the show flirts with the supernatural all the time. Yeah. Is it a hallucination and... or is it a, a demon that is occupying his body at this point? <laughs> like, you know, he would all they would priests would also recognize that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just notable to me that Will 
Will's recovery, Will's awakening does not include Jack at his bedside or Alana at his bedside or anybody else. We do not see him connected to anyone else. He feels- could be dead. Yeah, well, they could be. And I'm, you know, that's part of the the mystery, you know, of- Mm that they're trying to keep going. But I think it also is very purposeful that Will is now disconnected yeah. from everything. And he's on his own journey. And it is, of course, an unresolved journey. There was no resolution in the whole teacup stuff. You know, the, the teacup broke and it you know we see a visual of it coming back together into will's body but that doesn't mean that the teacup is unbroken it's just will body with broken teacup shards floating around (laughs) i'm not sure how that would work physiologically but anyway are you trying to say that will housed a teacup Yeah. Or did, the, or did the teacup at some point house the essence of will? There we go. There we go. Housing. That was the mic drop. That, that was a, that was an excellent use of housing. But it's not housing. It's housing. House sounds like the past tense of hose, which would be something else. No. <laughs> <laughs> so if if I could yeah. jump in here, please, I mean, please. I think go for it. The, the, the whole. The usage of this, of the shattering teacup metaphor, right? It, it echoes back to like a brief history of time. We're, 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 we're talking about the universe here. We're talking about a time flowing in a particular direction. And can you ever reverse it? Can you slow it down? All of these sorts of things. And, and Hannibal's kind of, you know, delusions that he can be, gain control over everything. But we're also talking about trauma and how the, the, the climax, that climactic moment, which they see fit to replay almost in its entirety from two episodes ago, like we're going to give this to you again, because this is the most important fucking thing that's happened, especially for Will Graham. Um, so why is he pursuing Hannibal? I, you know, there, there's the whole idea of trauma bonding that when you yeah. when you go yeah. through really, really devastating experiences with someone, even if they're doing the terrible thing to you, you bond with them at a level that feels like it's ingrained in your identity and whether or not you seek them out or you seek out someone else who is similar to try and have some kind of resolution like that, that I feel is very much in the mix. Uh, there's three quotes that I wrote down because they hit me so hard. Obviously, the fate and circumstance have returned us to this moment when the teacup shatters, but then also all of our death destinies are flying and swimming in blood and emptiness just just extraordinary poetry and then when he's when Hannibal is sitting with Bella love and death are the great hinges on which all human sympathies turn in a way that's my answer for why Will has gone to Europe sure sure Uh, so beautiful wow yeah beautiful I'm 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 currently yeah yeah, I just um I just like I mean this entire episode I mean it really boils down to the final line I forgive you Mm -hmm. and um I and I don't know if Will really had forgiven him until that very moment he said it in the tombs um but um there's like like kind of like off of what Julian was saying about the um, the trauma bonding and it become like this person and this person has become ingrained in your identity. They've insinuated themselves so much that you feel like you're missing something. Um, 
without that person in your life. So, um, and I, I, I found it fascinating that like Will in the hospital bed goes to his mind palace, like his memory palace to talk to Hannibal about his memory palace, but that's all happening inside Hannibal's memory palace. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah. I think that, I think they're, they're inextricably linked at this point. They yeah. can't be without each other yet. There's no closure. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, and so I think that's, I think that's what is driving Will towards Hannibal. And it's what it's, it's why Hannibal is reaching out to Will mm -hmm. in the way that he does. This, this is like um, drunk texting your ex at uh, yeah. you know 2 a.m. <laughs> this is, this is Hannibal style that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Did you have anything else, Lisa, that you wanted to add at the end of that? No, no, okay. I just, I, I think, I think that was it. Yeah. Okay. Justin, did, uh, they just, they need so, each other. Yeah. I, um, kind of springboarding off of what Lisa was just saying. Um, I, you know, she pointed out that sort of the, 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 the wheel on which this episode spins is the final line, you know, I forgive you. Um, and it's significant that that's basically the closing line of the opening scene because Hannibal has forgiven Will already, supposedly, you know, at least they both think that they have, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think Will, I think it's significant that Will doesn't come to that point that, you know, I forgive you until after he at least acknowledges and lets go of the Abigail hallucination. You know, that's why that's not the closing scene of the episode because yeah. in, in a different show, it might be, you know, right. Right. Um, it's, you know, that is, you know, that all of that, because it's not the reason why I'm confident it's a hallucination and not a ghost, um, I guess is because Abigail is sort of, she is speaking to Will's feelings rather than her own in a very real sense. Mm -hmm. You know, she did what Hannibal told her to because she was terrified. You know, yeah. she was much in much the same boat as Bedelia, as we discussed yeah. at length last in the previous episode. She says, I didn't know what to do, so I did what he told me. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, but never, never before has she given the perspective of why didn't you just, you know we could have all been together you know she's never ever expressed a desire to actually be a family with will and hannibal that i can recall you know yeah and so like, she when, when really... she's on drugs i think she sees that hannibal say... and i think it alana bloom is family yes it's there's, hannibal there's and alana sort of, as yeah, family. Yeah. yeah um i i think she really i mean i think he she she is speaking the part of Will that still wants to be with Hannibal. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he has to absorb that back into himself before he can forgive. He sees it as separate and he sees it as Abigail because he's still dealing with his own feelings. Yeah. And I think this kind of gets to the root of why Will is perfect for Hannibal and no one else has been. You know, I think that Abel Gideon and... Um, 
to a far lesser degree, Alana and Bedelia and Abigail, none of them have accepted the fact that they will not be safe with Hannibal. They are all trying to be safe. They're all making decisions predicated on surviving. And Will does not do that. Will accepts that he might die and embraces it and actually occasionally tries to kill Hannibal too. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know Will is Hannibal. And Hannibal is like, that's hot. That's yeah. my, yeah. That, that's, well, you and know. Hannibal had, sorry, Justin, finish. No, go ahead. I was going to say Hannibal had a completely defining line in the first episode of this season, which is, it isn't cannibalism if you're equals. I was just about to say that. That's exactly Claire. Thank you. I mean, I mean, I mean, Kelly Sue. Thank you. Since I've I cleared someone, I might that. add. <laughs> I was just you about to point let me out. continue. It was kind yeah. of your fault. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. Um, I mean, you kind of you kind of moved into my next territory if we were going to follow the question format about uh, Alana or not Alana, um, Abigail. Uh, you know that that. You know, she sounded very off to me, like throughout the first, you know, you don't know that she's not there. And I was like, this doesn't sound like Abigail at all. This sounds like someone who is um, almost reverent of, uh, of Hannibal Lecter. You know, there's a reverence towards him. Um, it not, there was no fear in how she was speaking. It was kind of like, uh, you know, putting him on an altar, like, like reverence a cult almost. almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there was something really interesting about that to me in that this side of Will Graham is almost reverent to Hannibal. Like it, it you know, and that that can encapsulate fear. It can encapsulate love. It can encapsulate, like reverence can encapsulate so many different things. It's just that you kind of look up to someone. And, and I mean, let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about this side of Will. Let's talk about um, what I like to refer to as the rave skin stag, because it was rather disturbing um uh you know him him realizing oh shit because he he also plays will also plays it very cool the first part of this episode until he sees the the raven again the raven's get stay you know kind of morph out of this heart and he's like shit i guess hannibal's still in me a little more than i thought i you know he was uh and what a disturbing way to find out uh thank you vfx people for that of joy that i went to bed that was so like so grotesquely beautiful (laughs) it really was it's fucking love it yeah so it was pretty amazing it's so gnarly and so creepy yeah yeah like it 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 was right on point like i'm watching that and and i've seen this before you know i mean a a long time ago but last night i was sitting in my i mean because i'm watching on my computer and i know i was sitting like with my hands gripping this my chair and like <laughs> like oh my god you well know? that's how it that's how it feels to realize that an ex is still like living inside you or that someone you thought you let go of is you're like oh my god this is gross and awful and terrible and why am i laying yeah. in bed like ruminating on this and still mm-hmm. crying three years later like stop you stop being emotional about it so it's but you then, know like it, almost immediately after to kind of go back to like yeah Abigail's attitude mm-hmm. um being so not Abigail yeah um, but being an aspect of will because after that scene when he goes into the tombs he has that attitude with Patsy mm-hmm. yeah like he's like he's he's the cool as the cucumber one and he's yeah. like 
you shouldn't be here. You don't yeah, know guilt. which side I'm on. He walks yeah. back yeah. into the shadows. He's sort of and, like, and like walks back like that. <laughs> Very that, like, yeah. I mean, God damn, that was yeah. sexy as fuck and dangerous. You know, yeah. that was his yeah. Yeah. side. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love it. Who for yeah. smoke? Julian, magician I, exit. I have, yeah, right. I have a question. <laughs> I have a question that popped up for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Julian. Um, is there, because so much of what you guys do on Conspirituality Podcast is talk mm -hmm. about cults and, you know, cult leaders and things mm. like this. Is there a cult of Hannibal? Yeah, no, I, I, I was, I was so pleased that, that Phil mentioned that and that you're asking that because that, that was exactly my thought too. I'm like mm. he, the way that he gets into the psyches of these people and persuades them to worship him. Um, in, in whatever like twisted form we, we, we sort of reconstellate that word, it's, it's very cult-like. He very much is like a cult leader. Mm. Um, and and in, in a way, you know, I, I think with any time we're talking about uh, quote-unquote abnormal psychology, we're talking about an amplification of something that all of us can recognize in ourselves and in people we mm. know, but it's taken to this next level. So the cult leader, the serial killer, the narcissistic sociopath, they're, they're in these amplified kind of versions of uh, what are otherwise sort of normal human reactions, right? Which is yeah. wanting to be admired, wanting to feel close mm -hmm. to people, um, conflicts over power, all of that kind of thing. I felt like with Abigail, um, she's, she's resurrected no longer as the terrified, helpless mm -hmm. child that Will feels paternal toward, but as this kind of calm, confident, grown-up, stoic companion. Yeah. And that's in a way the tip off like, oh, right. that's, I don't know if that's really what's going yeah. on here. And, and the, you know, in, in the initial reveal of her still being alive, we see the horrific scar where the ear was removed. Mm -hmm. And at no point in this new version of Abigail, do we see that the hair is always perfectly combed. She's put together. Well, and it's her... like a big, beautiful blowout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's totally. got a fitted jacket on totally. and she's like, yeah. she's a grown up. And I, yeah. I think yeah. what everyone has said is, is, is absolutely right on. I think that's yeah. what Will always wanted her to be. That's what he wanted mm. to see her kind of become was this mm. confident person yeah. that, you know, that you watch grow up and you kind of be a father over. And that's Beautiful. kind of what which, he wanted to see. Which was all along what he wanted to do for himself yeah. as mm. well. I yeah. mean, if, if, if the show isn't telling us at this point that Abigail is just a representation of what needed the, the broken part of Will, but the mm. part of Will that he wants to not acknowledge um in terms of like being broken i guess sure, you sure. know he wants to fix that he wants to be in control of that aspect um i i would like to go back if we can to Please. something we talked about or something that kelly sue talked about in the last episode in the exquisite corpse since we had that discussion i have been ruminating on the heart she was talking about the the sacred heart mm. that is the religious symbol it's the symbol of of what in christianity is the ultimate example of unconditional love right like that god so loved us that he gave us his son and his son died on a cross and all of this this is the example of love yeah. that we're talking about in that symbol and mm -hmm. seeing the heart in that religious setting. And then, you know, Abigail 
Willigal? Can we call him like Abig the Willigal? <laughs> Willigal? Oh he's hallucinating. He's talking to himself. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, they're having a, a discussion about religion and what, you know, it, it being in that place. It's very, very pointed to me, having been brought up in a in a a setting of being taught that like the, the most wonderful thing that has ever been done for you is that God loves you so much that he sacrificed his own son. And the degree to which that is, and I later came in my life to see as being an, a very unhealthy, unhealthy thing. And it, you know, it ties in so closely to our previous discussion about observation and participation. If mm. I accept that quote unquote, unconditional love, Am I participating? Like it, it is the acceptance of the idea that in order to truly love someone, you have to torture and kill them. Mm -hmm. You have to, and it goes to the idea of, in my yeah. mind as well, of like, we can't have a utopia of relationship without yeah. someone suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do we, we're never just observing that we're never just, mm -hmm. I, there's, I mean, I could go on and on because there's so many, you know, residual <laughs> traumatic things yeah. about well, those I was for religious sure, ideas. I was like, is this heading toward purity culture? It all comes <laughs> back to purity culture. Believe Always. me. Always. Uh, yeah. Always. I think on that, we're going to go to a little, we're going to take a little break. Uh, you can you all consider purity culture for a moment and what you can do better with your lives. And uh, oh, did you have something to say, Justin? Well, I never got to weigh oh. in on this. Oh, I'm sorry. Go oh. ahead. Yeah, please. Um, but I mean, I guess all I was going to say was that in real relationships, I think in many real relationships, I can say all reverence and fear go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. do and must. And I like arguably the most significant relationship in my life has been my, was my relationship with my father. And like my father was not the best father, you know, he was uh, abusive and a little tyrannical as a father, you know, and when he wasn't being abusive and tyrannical, he was kind of neglectful. Although as an adult, he was an, 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 a wonderful friend. As, a, as, as an adult, like it's very, you know, our relationship was very complex, I think. But everything I do and did, especially as a young man, was a desperate attempt to gain his favor. Do you know what I mean? Like I wanted him to love and approve of me in the worst way. I yeah. wanted him to be proud of me in the absolute worst way. And for years and years, and probably to this day, everything I write is filled with characters with daddy issues. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, it's yeah. just, you know, and I, I, was, I was terrified of my father and desperately wanted him to approve of me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, while I don't think that is exactly how Hannibal and Will necessarily see each other, you know, um, because I think there's a sort of absence of fear about them almost, you know, mm -hmm. um, which is probably what makes them sort of kind of creepy and inhuman. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I think that that kind of relationship 
also can happen in a lot of loving relationships, romantic relationships, you know. Um, I mean, I revere my wife and I am terrified of her. So there is, <laughs> you know, that's not even close to being an exaggeration. Right? That's not even close. Uh, that's, right? that's amazing. I, I think that's a good note to go to a break on. <laughs> yes. So uh, we're going to be back in one second. Uh, we're, we'll pick up uh, this conversation. Well, if you like this conversation, be sure to like and subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And stay tuned for news about our other series, That Episode Was, in which we have recently watched and discussed Why the Last Man, and just finished the final season of The Expanse. Where will we go next? Follow us at PopsiclePod on all social media platforms and sign up for our newsletter at PopsiclePod.com for the latest Popsicle news. That's P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. And welcome back. Uh, yeah, no. uh, I'll give a better intro than that. Sorry, guys. That was that, that was, was for you. Pretty good that, intro. that was for you. Well, it was, yeah. Maybe we'll stick Nicely with it. Done. That uh, was the Jolt Cola intro. <laughs> it wasn't oh, a Diet Coke, that's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, diet, don't get me started on diet sodas. Um, we're we're back to talk about Hannibal, not diet sodas. Uh, and I want to talk about uh, a little bit here before we go to um, our exquisite corpse. I want to talk about Inspector Ronaldo Pazzi. Um, you know, this is almost like I'm, I, I wrote a joke. Here. This is almost like my dinner with Will Graham episode, because this is all <laughs> conversations around like, you know, they just, they just talk. Honestly, these, this episode and the last episode are two of my favorite episodes so far of the series. Mm -hmm. And this episode is just people talking. And I'm like, this is so European and I love it so much. Um, but this is Potsy's the, the guy that you would think Will Graham would want to sit down and have a coffee with. Like we do the same thing. Like we are the mm -hmm. same person. We are like, we use our imaginations to dig into crime scenes. There's something that literally connects us. Yeah, go ahead. Adjusting. Well, I really wish that they had not told us that. Oh, really? I think that lacks impact if we're not going to see it in action. Oh, mm. sure. You know, oh, I think gotcha. that is, to me, that feels very much like a breaking of the cardinal rules show, don't tell. Hmm. You know, Interesting. like, imagine if we had gotten to have Potsy have an experience and maybe maybe even connect to something that Will doesn't because Will's so emotionally connected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that would have been really effective. Mm, sure. And like just telling us that they have that shared, th that doesn't sell me on that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I would argue that um, him saying it actually, and us not seeing it actually works well to illustrate that it's he not and true. Will are not the same. Right. Yes. Gotcha. I agree mm -hmm. with that. Do not yeah. do okay. things the same. Yeah, and so I, only, I yeah. think that the line can stay and that it works to illustrate that point. Uh, well, I'm definitely not saying, hey, Brian Fuller, rewrite your shit for me. You know, I'm not <laughs> saying that, that. That was not where I yeah. was going. I, 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 I was Kelly Sue's going to tweet it. I was what Phil was saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think Justin that has some notes <laughs> on this episode. Let's, let's, let's talk about the minutiae of antipasta or primavera. primavera. <laughs> I, I, you know, I would certainly agree that, that he probably doesn't do it as uh, he doesn't have like a superpower like Will does. Like, I think Will certainly has a certain extra sensory ability to do probably what Potsy's job is to do. You know, and actually, we do see Potsy at the museum sussing out Hannibal, right? 
like mm -hmm. uh, watching him every day. So we, we get an element of what he does and kind of how he works and, and he can make connections beyond maybe the usual and normal kind of way of investigating. So we, we get a little hint of it here and there. Um, but the, the, I guess the point of what I was getting at is, and Claire was saying this a moment ago, is that all of these characters, they have their own motivations, which is beautiful, but they're also a reflection of will to some degree. Um, and they all represent maybe different elements or aspects of will. And I think Potsy certainly is here to do that as well. And so I'm curious as to what you think. <laughs> I, I haven't even finished the quick <laughs> Kelly Sue's like hitting that buzzer. Like she's got the answer. She's like on Jeopardy right now. This is, I know, Alex. Um, Alex. What is sorry. Al's Diner? Yeah, right. <laughs> Go ahead, Casey. What is Al's Diner? What is diet soda? Um, <laughs> so I think that in this sort of in this in this paradigm where everybody is a reflection of will, yeah. and we get to see more of of Patsy, obviously, as we move into the later episodes. But I think for me, he is this sort of almost like a crystal ball. Like this is who you are if you choose life without Hannibal. You are this sort of, um, I don't know, sort of rustic veteran cop that's out here with, you know, something to prove. And maybe he's got a wife somewhere mm -hmm. and maybe he's wearing the same, you know, jacket from Mervyn's doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> don't know why I thought of that. And, he, and, and you're kind still telling, kind you're still perfect. telling the same story that you've been and dining still, out exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. chasing the same guy you've been looking for for 20 years. Right. This is who, this is what you are without him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think it absolutely, Kelly Sue, I think it's a, a look forward into uh -huh. Will in the future. I think it's also Will looking at himself from the past. Uh -huh. the, because there's such a strong, like, Inspector Lestrade vibe to Potsy. Oh like, he's the guy wow. who is completely existed on the shirt tails of Hannibal and now mm. sees himself as, like, he's trying to present himself as being as amazing as will right yeah. like i'm gonna and you can just see him trying to set himself up to be there when well will figures that you know sherlock's the the answer and solves the problem he's gonna be there to try to take credit for that right um and i'm not saying will was exactly bad i'm not you know previously but i think what will is realizing was the is the futility of his previous yeah. efforts and that the where he went wrong previously was thinking that he was in control and mm -hmm. outsmarting and doing yeah. all of those things and living in Hannibal's coattails and not becoming his own thing which is yeah. what i think he is it's like he's in the eggshell and he's starting to poke at the 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 shell right like to uh -huh. like he realizes okay it's time for me to crack this and come out and be what the red dragon <laughs> <laughs> come out and be the thing be, be actually be a, a legitimate thing that i should be as opposed yeah. to a pretend mm -hmm. wannabe. 
bless Patsy's, Potsy's art, whatever. Yeah. I noticed like, Kelly Sue. Have the Lestrade yeah. off, yeah. Aw, factor. Right. right, right. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. No, 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 no. Uh, I was going to make a, a wise crack um, about oh. you pronouncing it Patsy instead of Potsy. That's Patsy. Patsy. Um, but uh, I don't know how it's pronounced now. You it's Potsy. It. Potsy, I, yeah. Potsy. Okay. yeah. There was a point here when I was on mute after we had talked about up. that and, you, and everyone kept saying Potsy's name and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta fucking. Okay. So I Googled it and discovered it is Potsy, you know, Potsy. which you know, sounds Potsy. less like happy days. Yeah. And, but more than that, which you is have... driving me crazy because you just talked about how these characters are reflections of Will and of Hannibal also in, in yeah. a way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Potsy is Italian for crazy people. There you go. Wow. Wow. So on the nose. Okay. Right? We'll never right. question you again, Brian Fuller. <laughs> <laughs> or Thomas um, Harris. Julian, 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 would you like to question Brian Fuller right now? If you have something, <laughs> you'd like to bring up, bring up to Brian Fuller, you, you, have the, you have the stage. Well, I mean, I, I have a, a slightly off topic thing that I've been, that I've been dying to bring up. Um, with regard to Potsy, I, I, I guess I almost feel like seeing as, as, as you folks tend to put this romantic structure on, on the, on the uh, dynamics a lot, he's, he's oh, like yeah. the ex who's like, I, I was with him way back when, and I saw <laughs> that he was a monster, you know, before anybody else. Right, yeah, right, 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 right. Oh my God. Totally. I saw his genius oh, and his monstrosity and it, and it made me very famous and then destroyed me utterly. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the kind of off topic thing that that really has stayed with me through these because I went back and watched uh, uh, the finale of season two because I had to in order to look at these two episodes, um, the the contrast between the memory palace right and what is and how significant that is because that's also something that we revisit in this episode is that that moment where Hannibal and Will are having that conversation they give that to us again because it's how he figures out that he needs to go to the Norman Chapel in in Palermo um the contrast between the the incredible grandiosity of the memory palace and what Abel Gideon says to Hannibal which is your little gingerbread house, mm. right? In which you're playing out this pathetic little grotesque fairy tale where I'm eating myself, you know, this it's, it's so, so grimy, right? Yeah. And, and so the, in, in that scene, Hannibal says, I am dismantling, I think he says, I'm, 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 I'm taking myself apart or dismantling myself brick by brick so I can put it back together mm -hmm. somewhere else, right? Something like that. And it made me think of the ship of Theseus, right? This, this very, very old, this may even go, go back to Aristotle or before, which there may be some interesting sort of echoes or, 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 or rhyming sort of uh, images there for us. Yeah. Um, this, this old philosophical question about the nature of identity and how identity persists through time, right? And for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's this thought experiment that says, okay, there's this ship that belonged to this great warrior Theseus, and it's preserved in a museum, which is actually the case back, back in ancient, ancient Greece. Um, as, as, the sh as the planks of the ship are decaying, and they're being replaced by new planks to preserve it. At what point does it stop being the original ship? Mm -hmm. or, or is it still the original ship? We've just replaced all of these beams, right? It's, it's this profound sort of question about the nature of identity and mm -hmm. uh, through time and the decaying processes of time. And if actually all of those, those 
pieces of wood that we've taken away from the ship were kept somewhere else and were able to be restored and put back together, which would be the real ship of Theseus, right? And for me, this is Hannibal in, in, in Baltimore and then in, in Europe. And yeah, I just, that, that just, mm. all, all of those images stayed with me. And maybe once again, we're back to being housed. Housed. I just want to make sure. That's great. Yes. That's a, that got my heart racing. I was Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Great. I love it. I love I it. I just want to cover the minutiae of Wikipedia says that Heraclitus and Plato discussed ah, this concept. Okay. No mention of Aristotle, but. Ah, ah yes, yes. Well, Aristotle yeah. was a student of Plato. He was. So he would have. Yeah. 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 I'm sure so. it would have come up as, as uh, we, we see in intellectual circles, uh, people, the, the, the students, dismantle the previous arguments until is it the same argument I don't know. yeah 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 and, and heraclitus that's actually where his famous statement about how you can't step in the same river twice comes yeah. from again this mm. notion of changing time and what is what persists as an identity yeah. you can't you can't rebuild the teacup mm -hmm. i think this mm -hmm. proves once and for all that greek philosophers wait for no one they do not they, do they not. really fucking don't man <laughs> <laughs> They're coming to get you, like, whether you like it or not. I don't have time for all y'all. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna figure this out for everybody. <laughs> hey, speaking so of that. speaking of figuring it out, Lisa, have you got this figured out? Do you have any thoughts on Potsy? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because hey, no. it's like, no, it. I mean, yeah. like. I can't help it. It's like Patsy shows up and I'm like, he's so pedestrian. Like, what's he even doing here? You know, like it's because, you know, and I, that's not to say that he doesn't, that I don't think he should be there. He absolutely should. It's, yeah. it's a grounding. Sure. Um, yes, it is. It's a grounding thing. This yeah. character does need to exist in this context because then we're just it reminds us there's a reality to Hannibal's killings and exactly, we're not just stuck in a, a just, romance because yeah. you know I spent a lot yeah. of this episode being like wait who is alive and yeah. who isn't yeah because yeah. Patsy even says to Will when they're in the tombs like you're not alive anymore so, like I'm paraphrasing but like he basically yeah. says like you you already died yeah like Hannibal yeah. did actually kill you. Yeah. And so it's it is important to have this character there to like make things real. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And um, also so Will can say to him in essence, he didn't choose you. He wants me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. to answer <laughs> and to kind of answer my own question off that, like at the start of this answer, uh, why doesn't he sit down and have a coffee with this guy? Why Because they literally have a shot of kind of where the camera's turned on its side and you see Potsy step up and the camera pans over and you see Will laying on the steps where it almost looks like one is a shadow of the other or, or that mm -hmm. one is like standing on the side of a, a, a pool of water and you see the reflection. So there's certainly a, that's visually kind of marked, um, but the uh, romantic sort of comedy opposites attract and I think Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter are the opposites they kind of fill the void of what each other's missing to a large degree um yeah can I just say yeah. I mean just speaking to what you just said yeah. briefly and slightly off topic but yeah. you know I, I have recently become extra aware of the fact that you know in film directors are the they're the ones who drive everything you know they're the last word yeah. But in television, it's writers. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a long way to explain why most TV shows, even excellent TV shows, often have a very 
banal or or you know uninteresting visual right. language you know even mm-hmm. my favorite shows you I mean the west wing is not a visually stunning show in particular you know yeah. mm-hmm. um, just people walking it's dialogue dialogue yeah. mm-hmm. talking but fast, this yeah. show has an incredible visual vocabulary and it's you know it does so much with the way it's shot and it makes me wonder is brian fuller you know and through him the writers are they the ones determining the visuals of this show or you know are they the ones setting creating that language or does it come from the the, the directors and they were like you know it, it's just fascinating well, brian the, brian fuller um, you should come on and tell us oh man <laughs> i've never wanted or, a, someone like, from the show more for that reason the, you know the um the cinematographer is the same through the entire yeah, the entire series, series. james same. hawkinson yep um and he's clearly like a master yes yeah he's, and, he's artsy fartsy as all hell i'll say that yeah. you know yeah and i mean that in the best possible way he's a painter oh, yeah, of yeah. light and images the guy's amazing yeah. um and speaking of painting lights and images we're going to move to our exquisite corpse um I feel like I found the segue I needed. Um, Lisa, Lisa K. Weber will be taking us through this exquisite corpse. Oh man, um, I'm so excited about this one because I get to like really dive into like my art nerdiness. Um, because, um, because like the heart was very well discussed in the last episode, um, I wanted to focus on the Botticelli, um, recreation of Primavera that Hannibal as a young man did. Um, and there's a point to my saying this, it's going to sound super pretentious, but there's a point to me saying Um, I have been to the Uffizi Gallery and I have seen these paintings with my own eyes. Um, And I just want to talk real quickly about the experience of like being in the same space as Masterworks. And um, because it is like a really profound experience. Um, And it also is made more profound by the fact that it is in like a country that celebrates art and artists, mm-hmm. which the States generally isn't like even going to the metropolitan, you look and you appreciate this beautiful art, but you know that outside the walls, there's kind of a resentment and a vilification of artists. So going to a museum, going to an art museum in a country like Italy or France or Mexico, where artists are celebrated and like really, truly appreciated makes a huge difference. And I recommend it to anybody who has the ability to do it. (laughs) Um, And I wish everybody could have more of an ability to do it because it's important. Um, So in that kind of like thought process I was having and like really like kind of diving deeper into this painting. Um, it's, it's, it's also a key part of like art education to recreate masterworks. Um, it's how you learn like different processes and different ways of seeing and expressing whatever your truth is. 
And so I actually really appreciated that. It's like, um, that I, I just really appreciated that, you know, Hannibal is recreating these masterworks in this way. Like it is part of his own education, especially since Primavera is spring and, um, he does it in the springtime of his life. Um, this is where he's learning to be the artist that he is, that he will become. And, um, so I just like, it all just kind of really came together really beautifully. And, um, there's like specific things about the characters that he recreated, like Zephyrus is the West wind, which brings the springtime. Chloris is the name of the woman who is like breathing the spring out of her mouth. And she becomes the goddess Flora, who is the woman next to her in the actual painting. And like, it's all mitigated with love and abundance and, it gets at, and to talk about philosophers one more time, it gets to platonic principles of like, of giving and being part of the one of creation. And so, and I always love how this show kind of like represents destruction and creation together in the forms of these exquisite corpses. So that's what i'll say for now bravo <laughs> bravo yeah that's yeah like amazing. i said i was like i was gonna art nerd hard yeah, on this one that's, I'm, I'm glad you got this one that completely yeah. brought back a sense memory for me at least of sitting in my college art history 101 class and just being oh about you know my naive inexperienced little mind just seeing oh, I, yeah. all yeah. the amazing, yeah. Yeah, I have the same, I mean, like the same experience from my first like proper college art history class where I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's us, it's us, <laughs> it's I, we are, it's amazing. <laughs> seeing, see, one of the first times I went to a proper art museum, it was part of that class, Art History 101 in college and coincided with the LA riots. So mm. the day that we were wow. there, we were in, you know, at the Norton Simon Museum in Pasadena and we'd gone through about half of the museum and all of a sudden, you know, they came on over the announcement, you know, PA system and said they were closing the museum because there were rioters on Colorado Boulevard in wow. Pasadena. And wow. so as we were leaving, that was, you know, like we leave these, this pristine, quiet, you know, environment with all of this beauty and we walk out get into a car and pull out onto the street and we can see overturned cars in the intersection that wow. we were supposed yeah. to take to get to the freeway so that was Whoa. an experience you know, talking yeah, about environment it's wow. interesting because i feel like what you just said claire is a segue mm -hmm. away from lisa's art nerdiness to my fact nerdiness Sure. Because, well, Il Mostro di Firenze is a real serial killer. Ah. Um, and uh, in the book, Han in the novel Hannibal, um, which all this is based largely on, um, the, um, there are references to Il Mostro at all, although they're fair, it's, it, they kind of established that Il Mostro was probably not Hannibal Lecter. Um, but Il Mostro was a very he was never caught. 
he killed couples. He did not stage them in, you know, <laughs> amazing artistic ways. Um, and it's, and, and there are theories that he actually may be the Zodiac killer. Oh, wow. Oh. There, there's evidence, not proof. It's not, you know, I'm just saying that, they, you know, enough evidence for people to have, you know, framed theories around this. I feel like taking um, my show on the road. And- <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of strange to me that they took yeah, this right? real serial killer, though, and, yeah. and decided yeah. to attribute his murders to Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. You know, I mean, life stranger than fiction. I mean, it's a terrifying concept in terms of yeah. Hannibal, but if it's out there, you might as well. Yeah, he killed 14 people in, wow. in Italy. Ooh. Yeah, I guess I guess a always serial killer. Pair, always in sounders of two. <laughs> a serial killer never goes on vacation, I, I guess. If, if this was the Zodiac, I'm going to take a little break. Nah, I guess not. Um, Julie, the working did, working vacation. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Get a little time in, uh, you know, on the, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Julian, did you have any thoughts on the exquisite corpseiness of the... Anything? Oh my goodness! What what to add? No, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's all been said beautifully. Yeah, it was it was interesting for me to see kind of his one of his first outings as a serial killer. It wasn't as refined, or it was kind of you know a little messy, maybe around the edges, and mm-hmm. it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Justin, you have the floor, so why don't you keep the floor because it is your recommendation this uh, this week? Well, I think the first of all, just because it's mentioned in the summary. I do want to give a shout out to Luke Basal's Leon the Professional. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, and I mean, you know, in we're, we're watching a show that is about this sort of creepy romance, you know, and Leon, for very different reasons, is all about a creepy romance, you know, and it's, <laughs> it, it is, that's what it is. It's it creepy is. and, you know, and it, you know, borderline it was almost unacceptable. Worse. It was almost, you know? Luke Basson actually pulled back on the uh, parents of, uh, Natalie, Portman. Natalie Portman's um, complaints about having a sex scene. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. That would have been so, awful. It would, um, not even it just, been, and it would have been a lesser movie for it. I was yes, going to say, yeah, not just and about. And, and I would dare say that there's a reason why this movie is probably, in my opinion, Basson's best movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you know some people pulled him back. Yeah. You know, I think. Yeah. He, um, Which I but also of- want to give a shout out to Jean Reno being one of the few other people I think could have played a Hannibal Character. of some degree. That would have been interesting. I love Jean Reno, so I'm yeah. not going to argue him. with you there. Um, so shout out to that. That's a recommendation. I think you know if you if you like Hannibal, you're probably there's probably something in you that's going to like The Professional. Um, but the thing that really struck me in this, you know, in this episode, I was really of course struck by the ghost of Abigail Hobbs, you know? Um, And I thought about that sort of storytelling element and it brought me strangely, you know, but something with that that sort of, you know, hallucinatory, is it a ghost, is it a hallucination? And it's certainly an ultraviolet story, which is the comic series Preacher. Oh yeah, awesome. And, you know, because uh, Jesse, the, um, the main character sees John Wayne, whenever he's alone, yeah, you know, he just sees John Wayne and John Wayne advises him on his life. And, you know, <laughs> and John Wayne probably represents a certain element of his psyche, you yeah. know, and, um, and preacher for all that in many ways, to me, it represents 
the Tarantinofication of comics. And I don't mean that necessarily in a good way, but in a way of using ultra violence and spectacle and, you know, really, really coarse language, you know, that shock value as a storytelling mm -hmm. element. Um, although, you know, if Preacher represents that sort of beginning, it also represents in many ways the high mark of that sort of thing, sure. you know, because it is in pursuit of a larger story. Yeah. And, you know, it is, it's a commentary on acceptability and how that relates to religion and belief. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it is, don't get me wrong, I think Garth Tennis and uh, the late Steve Dillon, who made the comic, I think if Hannibal read Preacher, he might eat them because it's so coarse. <laughs> You know what I mean? But nonetheless, I think that Hannibal lovers might enjoy Preacher. They might I, find something I, different. I agree. It's subversive agree. and, yeah. you know, and thoughtful, even yeah. as it's, yeah. you know, blood splattered all over the place yeah. in, I, in elegant ways. The I connection think... you made there, Justin, made me think also of true romance and the Elvis-ness of, mm. in that movie, of, of seeing Elvis appear I don't think I've ever seen all of your romance. It's oh. uh, Tony Scott. It's worth, you know, it's Tarantino. Yeah, yes, it's it's written Tony. by Tarantino. I know. It's written by Tarantino. And I, I avoid Quentin Tarantino. I do. You know. No, yeah. this is yeah. this is necessary. Like it's early <laughs> for him. It's I love true romance. And it's yeah, but it has that like ghost Elvis who's giving yeah. giving Christian Slater advice. <laughs> it is, it's it delightful. Is. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you for the recommendations. Uh, Lisa, thank you for the exquisite corpse. Um, all good stuff. If you, if you liked, and, and Julian, thank you for being here. Thank you. Oh, yeah. what, what a delight. What a delight. Yeah. For us as well, for us especially. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice you. Uh, that you, you've come back and returned and given us your wisdom and thoughts. I'm going to do a full read on that um, Theseus. Well, <laughs> and, 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 and if, if anyone's yes. interested, if you've not seen WandaVision, the season finale of WandaVision oh, yeah. yeah. utilizes that. Yeah, I almost mentioned that. I forgot to. I thought yeah, that. Right. So that yeah. It does. Yeah. Right. It does. Um, Bonus recommendation <laughs> from Julian. Thank you, yes. Julian. Thank you so much. New episode of Murder Husbands release every Tuesday. Join us next week for season three, episode three, Secondo. You can always help us by subscribing, sharing, leaving a nice comment. Until next time, go on vacation, but don't kill anybody. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.